Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I'm always just a little bit nervous and a little bit excited whenever I see somebody that I'm going to tell a story about when they show up. Now, everybody that I've ever worked for, I, I think I'm running out of opportunities because <laughs> they're like, don't invite the preacher, he's going to tell a story about you on Sunday. But that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Um, <laughs> you know, there, there is, a, and, and, and it was just awesome because, um, you know, our, our Montana section over here, um, uh, <laughs> Welcome, Shad and Craig and all those Montana guys. I'm feeling a little pressured up here. So, uh, but you know, whenever you're working cattle, there are some jobs that you know. I'm not going to say that they're demeaning because that I do not want you to get that impression at all. They are not demeaning at all, but they're not the big, glamorous. Uh, fancy jobs that everybody um, typically thinks about. You know, everybody wants to be able to ride in there, you know, with your rope and just kind of one swing it, pick up two heels and dally up and ride off. And, you know, I mean, yeah, everybody wants to be able to be that guy, to be that cowboy. But you know what? In the grand scheme of things, for every guy that's roping out there, there's a lot of guys that are doing a lot of other things. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, You know, me, I try to stay out. I'm in the limelight so much here that whenever I go and work somewhere, yeah, I, I'm the guy that tries to sneak off and get in the back pen and just push the cattle up and everything like that because, you know, you're not going to kill one with the head gate. You're not going to accidentally uh, break a needle off in a neck or, or anything like that. As a matter of fact, uh, Gary and Megan invited me out, and I'm not going to tell a story on you, Megan, I promise. We'll... Not not this story. It's the second story today, and um, you know, I they wanted me to come out and help them uh, give some shots and stuff like that. And the first thing I did is I jumped in the back pen with my sorting stick, wanting to stay out of the limelight. And there's only three of us, and Gary's like, "You get up here!" Dang it! So I got up there, and he gave me a gun, and we shot some of them. That's a that's medicine, medicine for y'all that don't know. But anyway, so I always try to go back and. Uh, and do something uh, less important, if, if you can say. But, but is it really less important? Because those guys that are up there doctoring and dehorning and tagging and, and whatever else may go on with that, um, and, and just so you know, the little spray wormer and everything, if you put one of those in my hand, it will malfunction. Do not ask me to do that. It, there's just some. I can build your website, but I can't run your gun. So I don't know what it is. Uh, I guess I'm just, you know, that kind of a nerd or something. So uh, anyway, I, I always try to go back there. But at the same time, you know, you have to do what the boss tells you to do. Because th- there is kind of a biblical basis to Jesus said, don't just go up and sit at the head of the table. He says, uh, because if you go sit at the head of the table, you may be embarrassed whenever the hosts ask you to give up your seat for somebody more important, and then you're going to be embarrassed. He said, it's a lot better for you to go sit way in the back and then be asked to come up front. And so if, if I ever help you work cattle, I always start at the back praying that I'm going to stay there 
and scared to death whenever I get asked to go up front. So, um, but there, there is, and, and y'all cowboys, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all that want to be cowboys or might have the opportunity in the future to work cattle, I want to warn you about something. Pushing cattle up a, a, an alley to the chute, big old, you know, 1800 pound cows or whatever. Yeah, most of the time, it's a pretty simple maneuver, but there is a magic time frame that you have to do your job before you get clowned and somebody has to come up, come back and do it for you. It ranges between about four seconds and 34 seconds. And I guarantee you, you know, everything will be going good. The cattle are pushing up. You got your little stick and everything. And there's a bu bunch of different methods for pushing cows up. You've got your little, you know, each little ranch has their different little sayings. You know, you can slap them on the hiney. Come on, cow, move up. You know, most of the time they'll move up. Or you got your stick and you, you, you do the poke method. Come on, girls. Get on up there. Get on up there. And then sometimes they're just going to balk. And they're going to stand there, and it don't matter really what you do, but that clock starts running. Because when you first go, come on, Ma, get up there, and she sits there or goes backwards, then all of a sudden you're like, uh-oh. And your clock starts running. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. And then whenever the cow in the chute is gone, and all them cowboys that are up front are looking at you and everything, you're like, oh, crap, and everything. So you, you start, it goes from, sweetie, get out there, come on. And before you know it, you know, you even climbing up there and you're doing the spur method. Get up there. Get, and nothing is working. And if that's not bad enough, let me tell you what usually happens. Usually, the boss of the outfit, and I know this because Dell has had to do it to me, is standing there and he's waiting. And he's got the internal clock going also. 5,000, 6, 1,000, 7, 1,000, 8, 1,000. And then here they come to do your job for you. And you're like, oh, crap. I can't even get the dang cow pushed up. And they go back up there. And I mean, by now, you know, you have tried the sweetheart method. That has not worked. You have the poopy hand method, which is you grab the tail that has been recently guacamole'd, and you twist the tail, and she really doesn't care that you're twisting her tail. She thinks it's funny that she has just guacamole'd your hand. And then you have the poke method. And then you have the spur method. And then you have the boss method. And most of the time they walk back up there and they go, get up there. And that cow walks forward. And they look at you. And you're like, I tried that four times. About seven, one thousand, eight, one thousand is when I tried that. It stinks, and it happens all the time. But what, every once in a while, I'd say about one-tenth of the time, they come back there, and it's no matter what they do either. And so you get to sit back and go, <laughs> see, you can't get her out there either. And then they get mad and go to wailing on her, which really helps. It, it always helps. My paper blew away. You know, the thing about it, though, is a lot of times when you're working cattle, I'm just going to reinforce for y'all cowboys that do it. And I'm going to warn y'all cowboys and cowgirls that haven't done it but would like to someday. The best thing to do is just sit back and wait for the boss man to tell you what to do. And or find a hole and fill it. I mean, just just go do something. Just just get your stick, go push cattle up, or, or ask what do you need. It, it doesn't matter. You're out there to make a hand. And the worst thing that you can do 
is be standing off over there acting like you don't want to do something. Make a hand. A lot of times you don't get to decide what you want to do, and I can guarantee you that a lot of times it's not going to be what you want to do. I know people that hate giving shots, and it just seems like if you don't like giving shots, that's the first thing the, the boss is going to ask. Hey, do you mind giving shots today? Or do you mind working this warmer? <laughs> I don't mind working it, but it's going to not work whenever I do that. Pushing cattle isn't that glamorous, but at the same time, nobody else can do their job until you do yours. Another one of the not-so-glamorous jobs, and, and, and I had the privilege of, of being introduced to a Nord Fork coming up here. I'd never seen one of those before. Um, you know, we just roped two hills and dragged and everything like that, and then, you know, we flanked. And if you've never been on, the, on a ground crew where you had to flank cattle and, and, you know, two people hold them down, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the, the guy goes and he ropes a, a calf and he drags it to the fire. And then whenever it gets there, uh, one person grabs the tail and one person grabs the rope and you pull on opposite sides and it kind of flips that cow over and then he goes down. And then you jump on him like a, like a chicken jumps on a June bug. And if everything goes correctly, you look like a top hand. Every once in a while, you get a calf that is uh, actually a descendant of Conan the Barbarian. You didn't know Conan was in your pasture, but I think he secretly sneaks in there through the wire gate. Not a wire gap for y'all. That's a different story. So when you're flanking, <laughs> I wrote a story not too long ago, and it was about this guy, and, and we were, we were, there was only four of us. Now, Christy was there, but Christy's job was to laugh at us. That was her spiritual gift that day. She was filling up shots and laughing at us. She does a great job, by the way. There was four of us there. One guy was roping, two of us were flanking, and, and one guy was doing the branding and giving the shots, which is fine, except that the guy giving shots had a broken right hand, and he was right-handed. Well, he actually had a broken thumb. And so, anyway, we get this cow flanked, and this is, or this calf flanked, and, and it was a descendant of Conan. And anyway, we didn't know that it was afraid of needles. I know a lot of people are afraid of needles. It laid there perfectly quiet until the needle approached, and then it turned into the Incredible Conan, which is bigger and badder than the Incredible Hulk. It's a combination of Conan and the Hulk. And it pulls loose of the guy that was on the back end, and the guy was just going to give a shot. And this medium-sized calf, if you've never heard the sound of a sharp calf's hoof hitting a kneecap, it is a... It's a unique sound, just like, you know, just like branding is a unique smell. You'll never forget it. It sounds different than hitting a boot top. It sounds different than hitting a thigh. It is a perfect little pitch muffled. I don't know. I'm going to have to try to figure out what that sounds like. But not just once. It happened like three times, and he couldn't go this way because of a fence. He couldn't go that way because every time the calf was kicking him back under him and everything, and he was holding the gun up like this, and then he was holding his cast in the air, and standing there getting the crap kicked out of him. Whack, whack. And he was like, oh, oh, oh. And you could tell he was trying to go left or right. And I'm just looking at him. Like, doesn't that hurt? <laughs> Finally, I said, move. He goes, where? And I said, backwards. He goes, oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> you know, sometimes whenever you're getting your knee caved in, common sense just goes out the window. But you know, Flanking is never easy. I know whenever I was down on the T.O. ranch, uh, we were, uh, I'm not real good at guessing weight, but I think we were uh, branding seven and eight weights. 
That's what I was flanking. Because the, the proportion might as well have been that because they were big calves. And you know what? And y'all that have done a lot of it have probably been here at some point in time. There was a time that they were bringing these big old calves to us so fast, and this crew was so good. I mean, they were just pop, pop, pop. You had about 20 seconds. The amount of time that that hot iron was on that hide to rest and catch your breath, and your breath consisted of smoke. So you're like, and everything. And then they said, okay, we're done. And then you let them up, and there's another one right there. After about I, I don't know. I don't think it was quite 50, but it was pretty close to that. And it had been nonstop. And I don't do that for a living anymore. I literally turned to the side and came this close to throwing up. I was so exhausted and so tired. Flanking is not easy. It's not the glamorous job where you go in there and rope two heels and dally and ride off to, you know, looking at your shadow whenever you're admiring how good of a roper you are turning your horse around, disengaging the hindquarters to spin around, while the skinny cowboy's going, ranchers are just, they don't like throwing up on their cattle. I don't know what it is. People just find offense at that. But it's not easy, but you've got to finish the job because the whole operation basically is hung up until you do your job, until you do the flanking, or you push cattle up into the chute. And probably the worst job on an entire outfit, in my opinion, and I don't mean worst job as, well... The cowboys and those around cattle are going to go, uh-huh. Walk on to a new place and have the boss go, hey, will you work the sorting gate? And unless you know them, they're going to do things the complete opposite of the way that you think it should be done. And they're going to yell in or out or something along that lines. And it's going to sound like this. They're going to be facing away from you. You're going to be down at the end of this alley and you're going to hear them holler in or out, and it's going to sound like this. And you will get it wrong nine out of ten times. It will happen every time. I had the privilege, and this is where Dale comes in. Dale had a unique deal that I had never done before, and whenever we were actually doing it, I thought the man was insane. I was actually praying over him, and I kept trying to lay hands on him because I thought he had lost his mind. He's like, this is what we're going to do. And I was like, that's never going to work, Dale. You must be possessed or something. I'm going to, dear Lord, help Dale. He has done fallen off of his rocking chair. But he wanted to sort, you know, he had sorted the stuffed heifers and bull calves, and he wanted the cows to go with them. But instead of trying to match them up and everything like that, he had it in his tally book. He had number, you know, 4112 or whatever, had a bull calf. And so the guys would, had all the cattle at one end, and then they would let one by. They'd holler out the number, and then Dale would tell me heifer or bull calf. Now, that sounds real simple, but I could never remember which one was the heifer pin and which one was the bull pin. It sounds like a simple deal, and it is until, you know, Dale's like, hum, a what? There's a hole. What? And he's standing right there, and I'm still like, dear Lord, it just, uh, uh, Dale's, Dale's talking in tongues now, and so I can't understand him. 
<laughs> and so finally, he figured out that I had lost my ability to speak and understand cowboy English, and he started pointing. And I was really good with that. He was either there or there, which came out there. I got pretty good at it. I only messed up. Uh, there's like probably 120 cows. I only messed up like 115 or something like that. So it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. But it's hard doing it. But you know what? Nobody could do their job. The big picture couldn't get done until I had done my job. It is hard. It doesn't matter if you are trying to push cattle up an alley. I'm going to need a bigger deal here. It doesn't matter if you're pushing cattle. We got to be humble enough to do whatever the boss tells us to do. It doesn't matter if you are flanking and you just really want to lean over and puke. You have to persevere and finish the job. And even when you're running a sorting gate or you're listening to the boss, see, the boss has the big picture. And a lot of times we can't see the big picture. It made complete sense to Dell at that time exactly what he wanted to do. And you know what? It worked amazingly. And once I saw the big picture, man, everything he was doing made sense. And it was me that was messed up, not him. And just because I didn't understand what was going on didn't mean that the boss didn't have everything completely under control. In James chapter 1... Verse 9, it says this. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. See, when the boss tells you to go push the cattle up, don't take that as offense. Because nobody else can do their job until that cow's in the chute. Everything basically starts and hinges with you after they're in the pens. Don't take offense at that. As a matter of fact, it goes on to say, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wild flower. Now what that's saying is we ought to show humility and not think better of ourselves. You know, I mean, it's really, let me tell you what, you really want to embarrass yourself, go work for somebody and be sitting on your horse with your rope ready and the boss asks you to get off and go push cows. You're going to embarrass yourself. Be humble enough that if the boss tells you, hey, man, go get your horse, you get to walk in front of everybody and go get your horse saddled up and cinch him up and then go miss nine out of ten. Oh, wait, that's me. But here's the deal. When it comes to doing what you're supposed to do with humility, I want to give you a little deal here. You can choose whether or not you do what the boss asks you to do, but you can't decide what you want to do. That's up to the boss. You have the ability to say, you know what? I ain't pushing cows. Maybe you're, you know, if you think you're beneath that or something, you can say, you know what? I ain't doing it. And you've got the opportunity to walk off. But you can't tell the boss what you're going to do and what you're not going to do unless, it's your, unless you're the boss. And I promise you, while we're sitting in here talking about our big boss, ain't none of us the big boss. You can choose what you want to do, whether you do it or not, but you can't make the choice of, of what you were going to do. That's going to be God. You know what it says? The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. You know, we've been talking about how we want Save the Cowboy to be a different kind of church filled with a different kind of people willing to make a difference. And if you are going to make a difference in your own life, if you're going to make a difference in the lives of others, the very first place that we have to start is not in what we do, 
It's in why we do it and how we do it and how and why is we need to do it humbly. You must be willing to go over here and do something that nobody else wants to do. And you will be surprised because a lot of times whenever you do that, the boss takes notice and says, you know what, I've seen you do that several times. Why don't you go get your rope, cowboy? Because he said those who can be trusted with a little will be trusted with more. But too often what I see is Christians that are not doing what God already told them to do because they think that it might be beneath them. Well, I've got a degree in theology or something like that. I don't care. Well, you're too good to maybe pick up a cup that fell on the floor or, or you're too good to make, go make a hospital visit or, you know, what's the deal? We, got, we can't decide what we're going to do for God because God is going to reveal that to you. He's going to lay it on your heart. And most of the time, our Christian lives never get beyond that point right there because God tells us that we need to start doing something and we come up with a thousand different excuses and we choose not to do that. And then we go back and wonder, God, why aren't you working in my life? He said, I'm trying to work, but I told you to do this, and I'm not going to promote you to a place that your morals can't keep you. I'm not going to let you go rope until you learn how to push cows. I'm not going to let you rope until you learn how to flank. I'm not going to raise you up until you have humbled yourself. You can choose whether or not to do what God has called you to do, is asking you to do, but you cannot decide what you're going to do. I mean, I, I, I told you about Ty, you know, he had the choice whenever I asked him to preach. He had the choice to say, I'm not going to do that, or yes, I will. But he didn't get to decide what I was going to ask him to do. And he was humble enough to say, you know what, I don't want to do that, but I will. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high positions. You know what, I've been around many a top hand. There's a few of them, more than a few sitting here today. And the ones that I see sitting here today that I know on a personal level have never thought more highly of themselves than they do their partner next to them. I've seen guys quit what they're doing to lend aid. I have seen guys get off their horse and offer somebody else the first chance to rope. I've seen people back off and allow somebody else to practice or to give an encouraging word, not to think more highly of themselves, but to teach somebody else. It all starts, a top hand starts with humility. Now, humility doesn't mean that we think like that we're inferior. We think highly enough of ourselves to be Christ-like and to be a servant to others. Because Jesus didn't come down here to point his finger and tell everybody what they were doing wrong. He came down here to love us and show us how to do things right. And he came down here to show us how to be a servant. In verse 2, if you back up, we were in verse 9. If you go to verse 2. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, a lot of people, whenever we start having hard times, what's the first thing we ask God to do? Let's be honest. Do we ask God for the strength and the perseverance to see it through, or do we ask him to make it go away? 
You know the answer to that. We always pray, God, will you just take this from me so that I don't have to do this anymore or anything like that? Well, the Bible says right here, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Now, let me tell you what, have you ever seen a top hand that poked a cow one time trying to push it up an alley and went, well, it won't go. Somebody else has to do it. And then the boss has to go back there and do his job for him. That ain't no top hand. You ever seen a top hand that says, well, I'll flank two cows, but you know what, um, but they have to be, or calves, but you know, they have to be small ones. No, uh-uh. it ain't going to happen like that. You ever seen a top hand that said that he wouldn't work a sorting gate? Uh-uh. You ever seen a top hand that wasn't yelled at by the boss whenever the boss yelled, hurrah! A top hand knows how to distinguish and knows what that means. Why do we keep asking God to deliver us from our trials whenever it says right here that we ought to count it as pure joy whenever you face trials of many kind because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance? And perseverance must finish its work. Even if you have to bend over and throw up from exhaustion, you must be able to, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Isn't that what a top hand is? Somebody that's mature and complete, lacking nothing. A top hand can do anything, and he's willing to do anything. Hang on to your hats, cowboys. For the first time ever, you can now hear the entire message, unedited with every laugh and nugget of wisdom Save the Cowboy has to offer. All you got to do is go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on Podcast right there on the homepage. You can listen right there or subscribe and never have to worry about missing another story. Pull the truck over, rest your horse, or put down that hot shot and do it right now. Go to SaveTheCowboy.com and ride with us every week down that narrow trail. Until then, this is Kevin Weatherby. See you next time. Today's message was brought to you in part by Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitchin Post Hay. Call them for all your hay needs at 303-324-8217. And if you'd like to become one of our radio sponsors, contact us by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and sending us an email or call 303-621-0133. Thanks, pards.